0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door
1: with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: What's up my friends? I am so pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal Stories of Soccer Legends. It's narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly and each Monday, two episodes will take an in-depth look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Pele to Messi to Rapino and many, many more, each episode will focus in on the historical plays and the personalities that make this sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal Stories of Soccer Legends wherever you are listening to this podcast right now. Now hit that entrance music. It's Chris brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man. Look oh, at nice? the powerful questions. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vleet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Yeah, welcome back to the Chris Van Vleet Show. How are you? How you been? This episode is brought to you by Bet Online, and you saw the title. Yeah, this is me being interviewed by Mr. No Days Off, Darren Young, a.k.a. Fred Rosser. That's his real name. You'll, of course, know him from his time in WWE with the Nexus and part of the Primetime Players with Titus O'Neil. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Yeah, I'm doing the dance. I hope that you're doing the dance as well. You're going to have that stuck in your head all day. Now, millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. I had the pleasure of interviewing Freddie a little over a year ago in Los Angeles. You probably heard the interview or maybe you watched it on YouTube. We had a great chat and we've kept in touch ever since. So he reached out to me last week and said, hey man, would you be interested in being a guest on my show? He has a show called The Pro and Bro Wrestling Podcast, which he does with his co-host, Arnold Telegaarda. We had a great time. It was such a great chat with them. And actually, they were the first ever interview that David Benoit did. And I remember listening to that interview and finding out about the Pro and Bro Wrestling Podcast, and I've been hooked ever since. We talk a lot about that interview with David Benoit during this. And we bring up a lot of things that I've just never really been asked before. Maybe you don't care about them, but I've never been asked before. So I hope you enjoy this. And if not, that's okay. You can just wait for my next episode, which will be on Thursday. We have the incredibly talented Peyton Royce on the show. So if hearing these interviews with me aren't your thing, no problem. Just wait two days and then Mr. Thursday morning will be back with another podcast. That, that was that's what I called myself in the last episode, Mr. Thursday morning. Because, you know, we have a new interview every Thursday morning. Makes sense, right? And these reviews just keep coming in. So thank you so much for that. If you haven't yet, please take 27 seconds out of your day to subscribe and leave a review like this one from FTHC81. 81 <laughs> It's titled, Fun and Insightful. CVV has quickly become one of my favorite podcasters out there. Conversations are always so natural. Chris always sounds like he's been friends with his guests for years. Even if you've heard countless interviews given by one of CVV's guests on his other pods, or on other pods, don't skip this show. Chris always finds a way to have a fresh and unique conversation, even with people I didn't think I'd be interested in. Sorry, Greg Hamilton. (laughs) Greg's awesome. Uh, Five stars is how he ended that. Greg's awesome. Thank you for the review. And thank you for listening to the show. FTHC 81, FATUHA 81. I'm going to keep reading one out on every single episode. So a few weeks ago, I posted the interview that I did on WrestleTalk with Louis Dangor and you got you guys seem to like it. So I'm going to pepper these in. Just going to, that's the sound of peppering. Just going to pepper these in every now and then. And hopefully you'll enjoy them. Hopefully you, you'll learn a little bit more. I, I don't talk a ton during the interviews because they're not, they're not my place to talk. I'm like super interested in hearing what my guests have to say. So it's always interesting when the tables get flipped and I'm the one not asking the questions. I'm the one answering the questions. So I hope you enjoy this. It's my interview on the Pro and Bro Wrestling Podcast.
3: What's good ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Pro and Bro Wrestling Podcast. We are your host. I'm Arnold Tillegarda.
0: And I'm missing No Days Off, Fred Rosser. And we are on episode 51. Am I correct?
3: 51, man. 51. 51. 50-
0: 51 pro and Bro wrestling and i'm a little nervous about this one because usually uh this guest is doing the interviewing but now we're gonna <laughs> be interviewing him and i just saw on his instagram greg hamilton uh announcer from wwe did a uh introduction for him so i'm gonna try to do my own introduction to introduce my main man ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages pro and Bro wrestling proudly brings to you tv host youtuber speaker of the world he is C.V.V. chris van lee that's a sound plug right there baby chris thank you for joining us on pro and bro wrestling i always say don't die with a story you tell it brother
2: Oh, thank you so much. What an incredible intro. I need to, can you guys clip that and send that to me? I want to put that on my Instagram right now. Amazing. It's just great to be with you guys. Uh, You know, you guys are doing a great thing with this show and uh, I'm honored always to be on this side of the the interview, which is, it's always so strange for me. You're right, Freddie. I'm usually asking the questions to be on the receiving end of them. I never know what's going to happen, you know? Chris, how are you doing with all the stuff that's been going on right
3: now, man? The pandemic and everything. Um, I do have to say, though, I am kind of jealous of you because your gyms have opened up, my friend.
2: Yeah. Uh, So right now I'm based in the Cincinnati area. And, yeah, the gyms opened up three weeks ago. Yoga studios opened up today. So I went and did yoga today. Yeah, I'd say that, like, other than, you know, some people wearing masks and the capacity being a little bit lower at restaurants, I'd say things are like fairly normal. (laughs) Um, But yeah, man, it's, home workouts are great. And for everybody who can do them and do them correctly, like my hat is off to you, but (laughs) they've just never been my thing. And getting back in the gym, I went back to the gym uh, when they reopened two weeks ago. And I went with my good friend, Brian Pillman Jr. And we just stood in the parking lot And we just stared at the sign and we were like, (laughs) it's, it's it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> a tear
3: rolls down.
2: <laughs> a single,
3: single tear, yeah. At the gym, do they do they practice any social distancing? Is there signs where like, oh, yeah. masks are not mandatory, but you know, it'd be nice if you wear it. They space out the machines or anything like that.
2: Yeah, All of that. Uh so I work out at LA Fitness and when you walk in, there's like there's a way that you're supposed to walk in and there's a path oh. with like it's roped off, and then it's a way you walk out the other way every other cardio machine is out of use because of social distancing uh, there's there's machines like if, if a bench press is too close to like I don't know a lat pull down yeah. one of them is out of order now because they're too close to each other so sure. yeah they've taken a lot of precautions uh, and all the employees of course are wearing face masks I'd say it's pretty hard to work out wearing a face mask, sure. so I haven't been doing that though. <laughs> it's kind of like Trader Joe's
3: too, with the whole lane thing. I don't know if you've been to a trade, Trader Joe recently. <laughs> practice yeah, yeah. It's one way lane; you can't go the other way. It's like they made it
2: like way. IKEA, like like IKEA was you know was the was the original on that. Absolutely. And to follow the arrows. Yeah, <laughs> I love IKEA.
3: Same man, the Swedish meatballs don't don't even play. That, mm, that's so yep. good. Have you
0: had it, friend, the meatballs from Ikea? Hell no, hell no, I, wow. no, I don't That's eat so that hatred.
2: stuff. <laughs> That's the best part about going to Ikea. What other, what other furniture store is gonna give you lunch? Exactly, For like $4. So true. No,
0: so that, that, nah, that Ikea stuff's too cheap, man. I, I, I break right through it.
3: Well, Chris, before we get into your amazing career and everything, I always like to take it from the top. I, I'm curious to know, this is my favorite que- question to ask in the beginning of every uh, interview. How did you become a wrestling fan?
2: So I guess my earliest memory of being a wrestling fan was late 80s. I'd go to my grandparents' house and it would just be on. Not that my grandpa was like a huge wrestling fan, but it was Saturday night and he loved live sports and when live sports weren't on, wrestling would be on. And I was just so blown away by the larger than life characters. Of course, we're talking about Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior and Hogan. But also like some of the, like the sillier characters, like Repo Man, and <laughs> Coco Beware, like Big Boss Man. And that was my first introduction to it. Yeah. And then in the 90s, I was in high school, I was on the high school wrestling team and you were told like. That stuff on TV, that's that's fake. You know, what right. we do in here, what we do in the gym, this is real. Right. And that was kind of the idea I had in my mind that like, you know, you didn't watch pro wrestling because of that. Mm. But one of my best friends watched Raw every single Monday night. And in the 90s, how do you keep in touch with your friends? You're on the phone all the time.
3: I did the same thing.
2: Right. <laughs> so we would talk on the phone until 8.59 and then he'd be like, I got to go, Raw's about to start. And I'm like, all right, like, look, man, we were in the middle of, you know, we were in the middle of hanging out, we were in the middle of talking on the phone. I'll watch this with you and we can talk about it. <laughs> and it was like that, man, I was wow. sucked into it. And it was the big storyline at the time was Austin McMahon. And I was just sucked into this storyline. And when I'm into something, when I'm passionate about something, I'm all the way in on it. As we know. Yeah, <laughs> so I was all the way on on this. I I remember like trying to give someone a pedigree during an amateur wrestling match, which um, is <laughs> don't try that. It's a terrible <laughs> idea. I ended up losing the match because of it. Uh, I was a backyard wrestler, and I said to myself, "I want to be a pro wrestler," and that's really the genesis of that's this. this and that's really where it all began for me. Chris,
0: uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but. I did backyard wrestling. I was the top guy doing backyard wrestling. I did amateur wrestling and I would purposely tape up my limbs like Triple H, like my elbow might be taped up, my knee might be taped up because when you're all taped up you kind of look like a, you know, a badass, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> and if you and I because you just recently celebrated a birthday, man, I didn't realize how old you are. You're older than me. My birthday's November 2nd. Your birthday's May 19th, man. So definitely if we would have been in high school, we would have definitely been doing the backyard wrestling and all that craziness.
2: I, that's amazing to hear that you were a backyard wrestler. What was your backyard wrestling name? And Big show Fred Rosser. Wow. I like okay. <laughs> I was I was Chris Sharp. Chris Sharp oh, I was, uh, See,
3: I was trying to remember because I remember you said it in old interviews, I, I remembered it as Chris Danger for some reason. I don't know why. But yeah,
2: I, that's not I'm bad. Sure. That sounds like a very generic backyard wrestling name. <laughs> I, that, that could have been like my second choice.
3: <laughs> Chris, Chris Sharp is nice, though. I like that, Chris, man.
2: Chris, Chris Sharp was sharp talking, sharp walking. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was about to cut a promo on you there. I dig <laughs> it. I like it,
3: man. It's funny how you are talking Good. about how your Pete, uh, your, like, was it? PE coach you said or like your wrestling coach was saying
2: Yeah, that, high school wrestling that, coach, yeah.
3: That's that's something that Jeff Hardy went through as well. He said it before cuz he was in um he was wrestling in high school and he's saying like his coach said the exact same thing to him like don't watch that crap. You know, that's not real wrestling and all that. So it's really interesting how you know, high school wrestling coaches are so so against pro wrestling back in the day.
2: Well, I get it, you know. Like especially yeah. when you're in there every single day uh and WWE is so much of a show. I I understand where they're coming from, but I'm glad I didn't listen. I'm glad I became a pro wrestling (laughs) fan because once you're a pro wrestling fan, it's it's, it's hard to not want to watch it.
3: Yeah. So you were doing the backyard wrestling thing as Chris Sharp, but during this time, were you already going to college studying for um, broadcast journalism? Were you doing that at the same time?
2: No. So when I was doing backyard wrestling, I was in high school. I was 16 and 17. Uh, I was in the HCW. That was the name. Of,
3: what is this name? That
2: was the name of our uh, uh, federation. Um, and I was the two time HCW champion. Well done. Uh, yeah, thank you. But I, I was getting a bit of broadcasting experience in high school, I was taking communication classes. When I hit puberty and kind of came out of my shell, I just loved performing. <laughs> like before that I was like this super nervous, super introverted like kid that never wanted any sort of attention. Like I remember 7th grade I had to read a poem in front of the class and I'm like literally shaking as I'm trying to read this poem. And something happened around 14, 15 where I just came out of my shell and I was the vice president of my student council. I hosted the talent show. I hosted the fashion show. I did the morning announcements every single morning at school. So that was like, that was laying the foundation for what ended up being my career. uh, Still is my career. Yeah.
0: I was class president too, man, twice. I was junior class president, senior class president, in my yearbook under the caption, the last sentence was WWF, here I come. So we would have definitely been competing, man. We would have definitely been hanging out and competing to uh, wow. make it to make it in wrestling or something, man. We would have been best buds.
2: We were like the same person, it sounds like. <laughs> did, you the, did you have the awesome hair in high school, Fred?
0: No, I was bald, man. I was bald. <laughs> I was
2: bald. What? You were shaved head guy.
0: Yeah, I was a shaved head guy. And uh, yeah, I've went through tons of hairstyles. But one one reason I'm growing this back is because the whole quarantine. So I'm like, uh, why not? And also, Shad Gaspar, man, um, he would always, when I was an extra with WWE in the in the mid-2000s, he would always drag me into the talent locker room where extras couldn't go. And he would yell over at Ron Simmons, hey, Ron, I got your son here. And uh <laughs> no one knew who I was, but after Shad man, uh rest in peace, he um he got everyone in WWE to to get to know me, you know? Yeah, it's looking <laughs> fresh. And you know my it motto is. you know my motto, if your hair's nappy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> 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 but hey, Isn't hey But this isn't about you, man. This is about you. Like, I mean, you've been doing interviews 12 years, man. You've been a YouTube star eight years, man. This success of yours wasn't overnight, man. You had Vampira on not once but twice because he knows what's up. He's an OG that knows talent, knows success. Uh, I mean, how'd you do it, man?
2: Well, thank you for the kind words. I I appreciate that, especially coming from you guys. Um, Look, this was, this for me, I think the real start of this was, I told you guys in high school, those were kind of the foundations that I was laying, the bricks that I was laying. But when it came time to pick a college major, I was like, well, I liked communication studies class. That was fun. We played with cameras and, you know, got to create. I'll just take communication studies in college, not knowing there would be nothing like that. Like you'd actually just be sitting in a lecture hall, just like, you know, taking (laughs) notes. Um, So college was so much fun though. I had, you know, some of my best friends there and, you know, party all the time and, you know, just had a great time. And then in my senior year, I had this epiphany and it was, this is all going to come to an end as soon as we graduate. It's not going to be, do I feel like going to class? (laughs) Where are we drinking tonight? It was, oh my God, I'm going to have to work for the next 40 to 50 years of my life. And it was in that moment that I went, I don't want to hate my job. And I was already super passionate about broadcasting. And like I mentioned before, anything that I loved, I dove all the way into. So in that exact moment, I went, I don't want to hate my job. I want to at least enjoy my job. And I reached out to every radio station in town, every TV station in town and basically said, here's who I am. I I just want to come and see how it's done in the real world. I don't don't feel like I'm learning as much here at school that I could be learning with you guys. One radio station said, sure, you can come be on our street team. So I handed out like, you know, stickers and free stuff at different events. One of them being a WWE live event, which is actually ironic. Uh another TV, a TV station said, uh, everyone we have here is volunteers, come on in. And I learned everything there, cameras, uh, audio, floor directing. I was even on a few times on, on camera a few times. And then this one radio station said, well, we don't take on volunteers. It's not something we do. But how would you like a job? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. They're like, well, we're, we're going to give you a job being a board operator, which is basically the person behind the scenes running the soundboard. Mm-hmm. They said, it only pays $8 an hour. I'm like, what? that's $8 more than I thought I was going to make. <laughs> and that's, that's honestly where it began. Yeah. And it was about putting that time and that effort in. And I wanted to stack the deck in my favor so that when I did graduate, I'd be able to go to a future employer and go. Look what I've done! I've done all hey, these different things in my in my college t- uh, career. Look how hard I'm going to work for you. Stack the deck
3: in your favor. I'm stealing that. Was it a hard decision for you to pursue broadcasting besides wrestling? Because you know, as you mentioned, you're, you were wrestling in high school. What made you? Yeah, yeah. Want to become a like a broadcast journalist.
2: And I I did want to become a pro wrestler. In fact, everyone at college was still calling me Chris Sharp. <laughs> I, I made them call me that. Like, yeah. oh, please, just, just call me Chris Sharp. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was in the summer uh, of uh, my second year of college. So right before my right before my junior year, actually, I decided yeah. I was going to go to wrestling school, and mm-hmm. I I started training at the best wrestling school in Toronto, Squared Circle. It's been some incredible wrestlers that have come out of there and I was learning it, man. And it was great. And I had to make a really tough decision at the end of that summer because this was, this was an hour each way. It was four days a week and I had to decide to my, uh, I had to make a decision school or wrestling school. Cause as you know, Fred, you know, you got to go all in if you're going to be a wrestler and I didn't want to half-ass it. And I thought, you know what? I should get my degree. Because wrestling's always going to be there. Uh, and I, that's what I did. I made that decision in that moment that I was gonna complete my grad, you know, I was gonna graduate and complete my college degree. And wrestling would always be there, whether it was a year or two or ten later. And the way it ended up going, I think actually worked out better in my favor. I still got to be part of the wrestling world as an interviewer or as a ring announcer. And I didn't have to take the bumps, you know. And you know,
3: during your uh, career, you you interviewed so many amazing celebrities, right? Um, A-listers and you know, Hollywood great well, Hollywood actors. At one point, did you decide, you know, while I'm doing this, I also want to start interviewing wrestlers as well? Or did it, it happen kinda, like at the same time?
2: Yeah, it kind of happened. Accidentally, like my YouTube channel is it was an accident if I'm being a thousand percent honest So I graduated from college in 2005 Um, I ended up getting an internship that turned into a job where I was a news reporter 22 years old. I'm a news reporter like reporting on like Drownings and like serious news and I just kind of thought to myself like this isn't what I want to be doing I want to be doing something a little bit more I don't know to show my personality a little bit more I ended up, uh, long story short, getting a job in Vancouver, hosting a show for MTV2 Canada, which was a huge, huge break for me. So I went from reporting like hardcore news to like my first day on the job. Like I spent the day with Chingy. Remember the rapper Chingy? of oh, course. <laughs> right there, right there. So that was my first day on the job. So that actually led to me being able to interview my first wrestler. We were interviewing musicians and celebrities all the time. Yeah. and. SmackDown with ECW was about to be coming to Vancouver. Wow. And I said to my boss, I said, could we interview a wrestler? And she goes, yeah, <laughs> sure. I'm like, hold on a second. I can use my position on TV to talk to people like wrestlers that I look up to? She's like, yeah, sure. So I did whatever I could to find a contact at WWE and said, hey, I know you guys are coming to town next month. Can we do an interview? And they said, Yeah, sure. Uh, ECW champion Bobby Lashley is going to be doing interviews. And that was 2007. That was my very first interview. So that's kind of how it happened. Um, It was just like, I realized there was, I had the power of like saying, hey, do you want to promote your show on my (laughs) TV station? (laughs) And then I would also like get to interview my favorite wrestlers in the process. And the reason my YouTube channel started was because we were only airing one or two sound bites, and I'm sure Fred, you've done many of these interviews uh, where you go into the TV station and you say, "Hey, Raw's in town tonight. Take a start at twenty bucks. It's fun for the whole family." Yes, and that's really all we would run on TV. And then I'm like, "Well, I'm, I'm sitting here talking to Mick Foley or Jack Swagger or any number of these people I got to interview, Jeff Hardy." I'm asking them questions I care about as a wrestling fan, right? Someone else needs to see this. Other wrestling fans will appreciate this. So I just started throwing the raw uncut version of these interviews on my YouTube channel, which had like three subscribers, just going, someone else needs to appreciate this. And it just can't, you know, happen in this vacuum where no one else sees it. And honestly, that's how it began.
0: And eighty-five million views later, my main <laughs> man is still making moves. Arnold, <laughs> the reason why you know I wanted to have Chris on was because I remember—I uh, forget when—very uh, recent. Uh, you, we interviewed um, David Benoit, and Chris Van Vliet reached out to me and said, "Hey, man, I'm following in your footsteps and in interviewing David Benoit." And I'm looking at myself like, man, this guy is awesome, man. Like, he didn't have to do that, you know, to, you know, tell me that. And I thought it was really cool, you know. And it and I and it was going to be a tough interview, you know, because you're you're touching on subjects and you're just uh, the reason why I wanted to do it was because I wanted to highlight David Benoit and hear his st- hear his yeah. journey, hear hear his story because I've met him many times backstage. Anyone that we have on. Pro Bro Wrestling is near and dear to me. We have some kind of connection. So I've met David backstage, and to hear that he was banned at, at one time with, uh, with WWE broke my heart because uh, through it all, David Benoit has been through so much, man, and he's still backstage with a smile on his face, talking to little old me when no one else wants to talk to him. It's just me and Natty talking to him. You know what I mean? Like, I'm being a friend. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist, but I'm a friend. And that's why I wanted to have him on and you had him on as well.
2: Well, I get, a, I get a lot of credit for being David's first interview. And I always correct people and say, no, no pro and bro had him on way before <laughs> I did. And I actually listened to their interview, listened to your interview so I could prepare for it, you know, just kind of know what to expect. So I want to thank you guys for breaking the ice, you know, and, 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 and making him like available to do interviews. I didn't even know that was a possibility.
3: Yeah, I think it was great for uh for us to be the first two because, you know, Chris, you're really you're really good at asking the tough questions in a really comfortable tone and you're really good at making people feel at ease. Uh I felt like speaking for myself, uh Fred, I felt like our interview was almost like a warm-up for David to step into the interviewing process, the interviewing world and just getting more comfortable talking to people about his life and what he's been through so as you can tell during our interview we didn't really ask him too much about you know the incident or anything like that it was just more of like hey man like how's it going how's everything with you everything all good and once he felt a little bit more comfortable um, yeah, yeah you know your, your interview like knocked it out of wow. the park, which is amazing
2: well, thank you. And I think the thing that people don't see about the interview that I did with David Benoit is, number one, he DM'd me. We'd followed each other on Instagram for a long time. And he DM'd me and said, hey, man, I love your interviews. Would you ever want to interview me? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, of course. I, I would love to hear your story. He lives in Edmonton. I was uh, in Miami. And I was like, well, how are we going to make this work? And he said, well, I go to Vegas every once in a while. I said, all right, boom next time you're in Vegas, I will meet you there. And it was as simple as that. I said, just give me, you know, a week's notice. And the thing you don't see on camera is we hung out the whole night before. So our interview was a Friday morning and I landed that Thursday evening and he was in Vegas hanging out with one of his best friends. And I texted him when I landed and said, Hey, what are you guys doing tonight? (laughs) I didn't have any plans. I said, "What what are you doing tonight? He said, nothing. I said, why don't we grab dinner or a drink? And he's like, sounds good. We ended up just going out for beers and just like being friends. And it was in that moment when we're walking through, I think it was Caesar's palace. We're walking through Caesar's palace and he goes, Hey bro, you can ask me anything you want. And I'm wow. like, really? And he's like, anything you want. Nothing's off limits. So I'm like, Oh, are you sure? And he's like, absolutely. I trust you. That's why I'm here with you and talk about anything you want. And it was that moment where I went, oh, this is going to be such a great conversation now because because we connect now. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, I'm I'm
3: a big fan of your channel. I watch a gluttony of your interviews. And I always, I, I think the first time I DM you, I talked about that the first time that I saw you was during Dolph Ziggler's interview because you've done a gluttony of interviews with him. Yeah. It's, it's, so really, it's really cool to see like your first interview with him. We were super professional, you know, interviewing him. And it leads to, this friendship that you guys created and it goes to you, him it goes to him interviewing you. And that was really awesome to see, man.
1: He's
2: been so kind to me. Right. And, uh, I was living in Cleveland for five years. That's his hometown. And that's how we really initially became friends because I would see him out at the bar and be like, I think that's that's Dolph Ziggler. Um, so we had that Cleveland connection and then it just kind of, kind of just went from there. So I'm sorry. I I think I cut you off though. I'm sorry. i was going to say, out of
3: all the interviews you've done, I have to ask, who's who's your favorite?
2: Well, that's like asking. It's like asking, uh, you know, a a parent what their favorite child is. But uh, but it's actually pretty easy for me. It's it's The Rock. (laughs) Sure. The Rock is, like, bar none, my favorite interview. And it's it's twofold. Number one, like, The Rock was someone I looked up to so much, being a a massive fan during the Attitude Era. Mm. I mean, I dressed up as The Rock for Halloween. Yeah. I was I was walking down the halls of my high school all the time raising the people's eyebrow and yelling, "It doesn't matter" all the time. All the time. <laughs> so, to be able to interview Rock from that standpoint where like this is a guy that meant so much to me growing up. Yeah. That was amazing. But then number two, he's the biggest star in the world right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, but you'd never know that when you talk to him. And they always say, you know, you should never meet your heroes. If your hero is The Rock, you should a thousand percent meet your hero because he's just so kind and warm and, you know, funny. And he does this incredible thing where he makes you feel special in that moment. Even though he's the biggest celebrity in the world, he goes out of his way to make you feel special.
3: Yeah, and I love the moments that you have with him, you know, when uh, he's just passing by and he's like flipping you off and while you are looking, <laughs> little things like that. It's, it's really great, man. You, you can really tell how much he respects your work as well. It's really awesome.
2: It, I just, it blows my mind that The Rock does, you know, when whenever I do an interview with The Rock, he's probably done 50 or 60 interviews that day. And, yeah. you know, The Rock probably does a thousand or two or three thousand interviews a year he'll remember my name and then remember something we talked about in a previous wow. interview. Like I'll walk in and it's, it's like a big hug. Hey, Chris, what's going on, man? Like what? Like, <laughs> yeah. So it's uh it's cool. And I look forward to hopefully being able to interview him again sometime soon. Absolutely, man. Is there, is there
3: a different uh, preparation for you when you prepare, when you prepare to interview a celebrity than um, a wrestler is, like is there two different mentalities that you have to
2: prep for yeah it 's a great question, and I think that it it 's mostly just driven by time, mm-hmm. and most of these celebrity interviews that I do are in the what they call the junket style interviews sure. three, three four minutes where you 're basically <laughs> exactly <yeah. laughs> you're a revolving door of reporters so uh, you know a celebrity sits in that room and every three four minutes a new reporter comes in and you know starts asking the questions. So in those, I, I actually script out my questions and I, I script them out like word for word. I, I script them out like this will be a first, the first question. Yeah. This will be the second question. <laughs> if things go well, this will be the third one. If things don't go well, then this will be the third one. Um, <laughs> with these longer form interviews like we're doing now and like how, how great of a medium is podcasting where you can just basically hang out and it happens to be recorded for an yeah. hour. In these style of interviews, I kind of just write down more bullet points of like, I want to talk about this, 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 this. And if the seventh thing I talked about happens to come up second, great. You know, just flow with the conversation and kind of follow it where it goes. Yeah. And, you know, I asked you
3: earlier who your favorite interviewer was. And I remember you getting this question before for someone else. Um, They asked you, who was your worst interview? And you mentioned that it was uh, Brutus, the barber beefcake. (laughs) And listen, listen, listen! I, I I watched that interview, and I thought I thought it was great. Like, if you didn't say anything, I, in my head, I'm like, man, that's that's a pretty good interview. But after after hearing you say that and watching it back, I'm like, oh, okay, I could kind of see like you know what he meant by that. And um,
2: why why it just uh, felt a little uncomfortable. Like, it wasn't a bad interview by any means. Um, I don't know, my camera just went out of focus there. Huh?
1: Um,
2: it wasn't bad. It was just a little uncomfortable for whatever reason. And I, I
3: don't know. I think he gave you one word answers. I think that was it.
2: Yeah. I think the now sport. my, my, my worst interview now is for sure. MJF. Like <laughs> if, anyone asks me, if anyone asks me now, what's going on here? We need to like get this back in focus. Okay. There, there we go. Is. Okay. All right. We're good now. Well, I mean, with
3: MJF, that was so iconic, man. Like I would have to say that's my favorite interview of yours because how oh,
2: it no. was.
3: I mean, or ordering room service in the middle of it. And that's just, that was epic. That was so iconic. I love that, man.
2: That that interview for sure gets brought up more than any other interview. No matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, people will be like, are you going to do another interview with MJF? And I'm always like, I hope to God I don't. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to
3: see Chris Sharp versus MJF anytime soon? <laughs> are you trying to get me killed? <laughs>
2: I, I've thought about uh, so I just, you know, Fred mentioned my birthday. I just turned 37 a few weeks ago in May. Mm. And, you know, I, I still have that itch. I still have that idea that I could get in the ring and and do it. And I know that if I put in the work, I could train and, you know, I could have a match. Yeah. I just think that, like, I hold myself to such a high standard, especially when it comes to wrestling. Like, I know that if the match that I would have for my first match, would be terrible. I'm sure of it. And I know that my second match and fourth match and 10th match would not be great. And I would just be so worried to go out there and have a less than stellar match. Mm. But
3: I mean, you did listen, get your feet listen. wet a little bit in flat back wrestling school. I mean, you took those shops like a champ in my opinion. So you, you
0: think,
2: no. you think I can do this, Fred? Listen, you
0: know, uh, you've got experience. It's just like riding a bike. How I've told Arnold, if him and I were to have a match, he would be the Asian Shane McMahon, you know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, We would design a match where, you know, we're storytellers. He's not going to be throwing drop kicks and this and that. I'm going to be a bully to him at the start of the match. And then something where I pick him up over my shoulder, like Davy Boy Smith, and on the outside, try to run him into the post, and then he slips off my back, shoves me into the post, boom. Now I slip on the banana peel. Now I'm down. Arnold's gotta sell. Just he's gotta shake off the beating I've been, been putting on him. And then it's gotta be somewhat of a work shoot. You know, he's just gotta throw punches and I've gotta just take it in a in a real manner because he, he can't throw wrestling punches. They just have to, they have to just look real. You know what I mean? When I show people how to wrestle uh and how to throw punches i say have you ever played any sports if they say if they say yes yes have you ever played baseball yes well how do you throw a baseball and that's how i tell people to throw punches you know like a baseball so uh like i said how i designed the match with arnold would be just like that with you maybe on your podcast i call you out i talk some smack and then we set up a match at some kind of fundraiser show or something uh, for a, a benefit. And that's how we would design it, man, a story.
2: Let's hit pause on this interview for just a second to thank our sponsor, Bet Online. And there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, well, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, and it's live on their website. If you're looking for something more than sports, well, Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets for you to check out. So visit betonline.ag. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, Blue Wire, BLUEWIRE. B L U E W I R E. Bet Online, you're online wagering experts.
3: I have to ask, out of everything you're, you're doing, right, hosting, YouTube, podcast, how did you find the time to start a fishing company? The <laughs> woo!
2: Tungsten. Thank you. Company. Thank you. That, that is how it's said. Yeah, my company's called <laughs> Woo Tungsten. I think I actually have some Woo Tungsten. Now, here's a package here of Woo Tungsten. There you go. There you go. Woo! Nice Tungsten. Uh, bass fishing has been a huge passion of mine ever since I was four years old. I was fishing in a lot of tournaments actually growing up in my teenage years and into my twenties as well. And
3: I had no idea there was fishing tournaments.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like big, like bass fishing is as big in some areas as like NASCAR is in some areas. So you'll see, you'll see like on ESPN too, you'll see the Bassmasters or you'll see major league fishing on TV. Yeah, this is serious. So I was fishing in tournaments (laughs) with like some of the top pros in the world. They were fishing on the pro side I was fishing on the amateur side. And the cool thing about these pro-am tournaments is it's it, it's like if you were in a golf tournament as a pro-am, you were actually like out there with them. Like it'd be like being in a foursome with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. I was wow. <laughs> the pro stands on the front of the boat and fishes and the amateurs in the back of the boat. And I was, I've been in the boats of someone like the best Bass fishermen in the world. So, for some people that are like listening right now that actually might be bass fishing fans, like I have fished with Brandon Polinick and Chad Pipkins and Dave Wolak. And I know to you guys, like, what are these names? <laughs> fishing fans are like, oh my God, you know Brandon Polinick? So, um, that was really where it all began. Um, yeah. uh, my fishing partner was like, there's got to be a better way to do this product, which is what our product is now. right And we started looking into just making it for ourselves. And then we went, well, I think other people will like this too. I think other people will appreciate this. And we started thinking, I oh, will just sell it like on eBay or we'll sell it like to, to our friends. And this ended up blowing up and becoming a much bigger thing than we could have ever possibly imagined so wow. we've been doing this now for four years and it's just it keeps getting bigger and bigger and you know my my business partner Aaron Anders is a lot of the brains behind this yeah and I'm just kind of a little bit of the marketing and sure. the ideas behind this but it's been a it's been such a fun thing that's amazing man and you're right that is how you pronounce it Woo, tungsten.
3: <laughs> I love it because it's the best of both worlds you know oh there you go there it is
2: <laughs> and it's also what you say when you catch a huge fish. You know, yeah. you're so jacked up. Yeah. I mean, can't relate, but yeah, <laughs> that's what I would imagine. Well, take your word
3: for it. Yeah, I mean, dude. Like I, I tried fishing as a kid, but I'm that guy that gets nauseous after five minutes
2: on the boat. <laughs> the pills,
3: and I just, I just can't last. But kudos to you, man. That's, that's well, cute. fishing.
2: Fishing's not for you, then, Arnold. But there Definitely is some great not. fishing in your area. Is there? Hmm. Oh yeah, there's some uh, Lake Castaic, right? Okay. okay. That's like a couple hours north of you guys. Clear Lake in California is one of the best bass fishing lakes in the world. Now, does fishing make you a more patient person? I'd like to, I'd like to think so. Mm-hmm. Although I think I feel like really tested in some you know moments of my real life. <laughs> You could go on. You can go an entire morning, sometimes an entire day, without catching a fish. Mm. And at the end of the day, you're like, "Eh, "Let's get them tomorrow." Yeah, no, no big deal. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes, and we we can all relate to this. There's sometimes when you expect something, boom, like right now.
3: Yeah.
2: And you gotta wait for it, or it doesn't end up happening. I'm working on that, and I think the fishing's helping. Meditating and reading's also helping, but. Fishing might be like the ultimate form of meditation.
3: And when was the last time that you went fishing? Are you getting that itch now with the whole, you know, social distancing and everything?
2: I I honestly haven't fished that much since starting a fishing company, which I know sounds Whoa. so ironic. <laughs> yeah. When I lived in Florida, I was pretty close to Lake Okeechobee, which is a, a world-renowned bass fishing lake. And I had a bass boat, and I would take it up there every single weekend. Mm. And the deeper I got in the fishing company, the more I realized, is it really in the company's best interest for me to spend 12 to 14 hours on the lake? trying to catch a few bass, or should I be putting that time and effort into, you know, the actual business? Sure, sure. I get that, man. You're like,
3: you're
0: you're like Chris Jericho. You've got your hands, the Chris Jericho of the YouTube world. You've got your hands in everything, man. That's really great. You know, entrepreneur, uh, you're doing it all. You're making moves, making moves, making million dollar moves, baby. That's what I love to hear.
2: I hope some of these are million-dollar moves eventually. Um, <laughs> look, Chris Jericho has laid the blueprint for anyone to be super successful. Like, man, so incredibly over and successful in wrestling. Rock Band, he has the podcast, which is always on the Apple Top 200. Uh, the Crews, acting in films. He's, he's hosted different shows. Absolutely incredible. And it's crazy to think that he's in the prime of his career right now. Although I feel like we can say that Chris Jericho is pretty much always in the prime of his career.
3: Well said, man. That's really true. He's really great at reinventing himself all the time. Oh, it's,
2: for sure.
3: So everything that he does is so strategic and so much thought goes into every little detail. It's, it's really cool, man. Um, I want to run something by you. I want to know what you think about this. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of starting a new clothing line, right? I'm going to call it um, vague dreams get vague results. What do you think?
2: That's gonna be your clothing line? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? You like I feel it? like I should be your business partner.
3: <laughs> 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 no, I'm kidding. But I love, I love your merch, man. I love how, um, how positive you are. And I think if you're gonna add another resume to your list, I think you should be a motivational speaker. Because me and Fred always um, talk about this. You know, there's a gluttony of people out there on Instagram who wanna be motivational, but they just come off as douchey, you know? They just come Whoa. off like you're being scolded and it's kinda of like, yeah. oh, where I'm at, look where you're at, come up here. Yeah, I just, it, you know, but people like you and The Rock, you do it in a way where you, you're you just kinda of living your life by example and yeah, dude, you're really good at inspiring and motivating people.
2: Well, you guys are the exact same with that and I think that that just comes from who you are as a person, right? Like, you know, I think for me, I realized early on that if someone else can do something, that just means that I can also do that thing. And I was always that person who, if someone would had figured out a way to run faster or jump higher when I was younger or write a paper quicker, whatever it happened to be, right. I would just be like, I wouldn't be afraid to go, how'd you do it? <laughs> you know what what what's the secret like yeah. we're both humans how can we do it? so I think I just realized that if someone else is doing something that just means that I can do that same thing too wow and and I, I want it I want to get into public speaking uh, actually I've been trying to put together a, a pitch to do a TED talk or TEDx talk yeah um, obviously speaking in general and especially TEDx talks are on hold right now with everything going on in the world sure. but When stuff does start to open up again, yeah, that's something I want to get into because Mm. it blows me away when I get DMs from people that are like, oh, you know, you've inspired me to start a podcast. You've inspired me to start a YouTube channel. And I'm like, I did? Like, I inspired (laughs) you? Like, I, I was just a person who went out there and did it. And I always say to those people. Congratulations! You're already so many steps ahead of everyone else who just talks about starting a podcast, who just talks about starting a YouTube channel. You actually put the work in to do it. Yeah, and I think that there's way too many people that are too scared to take that first step. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an important thing to realize. And you know, you just got to take it step by step by step, and just reverse engineer. You know, you're not going to be joe rogan you know in, in the podcasting world immediately you know you're not going to be tony robbins when it comes to speaking immediately but uh, you know just take it step by step and celebrate those little wins along the way you know celebrate a hundred subscribers on youtube celebrate a thousand subscribers yeah. then celebrate five thousand you know and just keep going mm-hmm. until you know you get one of these plaques that i have and you have behind that's you
3: right. that's right
2: yeah, man. People sometimes always ask me too, like, "Oh, what do you? What's your
3: suggestion? Or Like, what do you recommend for someone who wants to uh, start a YouTube channel?" And my always answer is, obviously, yes. Like, work hard, but beyond all that, man, have fun. You know, yeah, like yeah. have fun and make sure it's still fun for you. Just like anything, just like wrestling too. You know, because once you stop having fun and you're doing it just for the sake of doing it, it feels forced, and people can see that through the screen. So every time I <laughs> yeah. watch, like like Fred like do anything whenever I watch your interviews you can still see that that little boy fan you know what I mean inside of you still like that's that's living their dream and I think it's really important to uh to keep that and I know like you you kind of discussed this a little bit during your um Brian Myers interview and that's exactly how he feels he doesn't want to lose his um that charm in you know and doesn't want to get jaded and I think that's that's really important
2: Yeah. I get a lot of messages from people going, what kind of gear do I need to start my podcast, start my YouTube channel? And I'm like, you've got a camera in your pocket. Just take it out and start recording. (laughs) And I think that too many people go, all right, I need to go and order this camera and this microphone and then this editing software. And they're basically just putting roadblocks in front of themselves. Well, I would have started a YouTube channel. I just, I, I couldn't afford the camera. I couldn't afford the mic. It's like, no, just do it. We all have, we all have one of these in our pocket, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's an amazing world we live in right now. So
0: I I always
2: say that if, if you enjoy something, if you're passionate about something, chances are there's thousands, if not millions of other people out there that are just as passionate, if not more passionate about it than you are. And they will love to hear you sharing your stories or watching your adventures with it.
3: Maybe a few years ago, you said that you're, Um, goal was to interview Triple H. Is that still your goal right now? And if so, uh, how's that looking
2: so far? Uh, Well, it's uh, not looking well. It's not (laughs) looking good. (laughs) I mean, who knows? It could happen eventually. Uh, I haven't done a lot of WWE interviews lately, but, you know, I I would love to. Um, I just, uh, I don't know. Triple H doesn't do a ton of interviews, especially not like the long form interviews that I, you know, really like to have. So, I think that uh, there's there's a few like of the great whales out there that I would like to go and you know catch and Stone Cold Steve Austin love to have an interview with him yeah oh, wow. the Undertaker who's been doing a ton of interviews now yeah yes. um, I, I'd love to do an interview with the Undertaker Triple H was someone I just looked up to so much when I was growing up I had a poster of him on my wall I I taped my hand I taped my <laughs> right hand and wrist and just my left wrist when i was a backyard wrestler because of triple h wow um but vince is the interview that i want more than any interview uh and i that one i don't know you know would happen but look we wouldn't be having this conversation right now if it wasn't for vince mcmahon so you know and everything that he did for wrestling so i would love to have a conversation with vince not just about wrestling but about like business vince is a brilliant entrepreneur And I would just love to know like, what drives him every day, you know? I would just love to have that conversation with him. Chris,
0: you're just so good with your words. You know, you talked about taping your wrists like Triple H. Again, (laughs) I tape myself the same way in amateur wrestling. I had a poster on my wall too, because I looked up to him. It was Triple H, Jericho, Hulk Hogan, and Kurt Angle. So we are like the same, bro. Wow.
2: Well, I can't wait to be out there and we can just (laughs) hang out and do all the same things together.
3: <laughs> I was gonna say, did you uh, did you hear that rumor that potentially they're making a Vince McMahon movie and Bradley Cooper is playing Vince McMahon? Is there really? That? Yeah, there's been like a big rumor that's that's happening or like that's possibly in the works right now. I'll be uh, in. Wow. I would want to see that.
2: Ah, uh, that'd be fascinating. Whatever happened to this? A uh, Hulk Hogan movie where Chris Hemsworth was going to play Hulk <laughs> that's Hogan. That's right. Oh, right? I we heard, heard that. about that like two years ago. Maybe, maybe it's yeah. still happening. Who knows?
3: Uh, one thing that you and me really have in common, besides wrestling, is our love for pizza.
2: Mm.
3: So I
0: have
1: to ask, man.
3: <laughs> it's a question that's most dreaded in the pizza world, but New York
2: Oh, New York for sure. Oh, that's the answer for you. Wow. Oh, easy, easy answer. I don't (laughs) look nothing against the people in Chicago. You are fine people. And some of my (laughs) best friends live in Chicago, but that's not pizza. It's like this weird casserole. Like I don't, (laughs) I don't want to be eating my pizza with a spoon. You know? Um, and no offense, again, to my friends in Chicago and anyone listening in Chicago, but that's that's just not my style of pizza. Although I just recently, I didn't even know that it was called this, but I just recently discovered Detroit-style pizza. Hmm. You know what that is? Yeah. Kind of like a deep dish. Um, I don't know. I guess deep dish is the best way to describe it, but it's more like crispy edges. Is it a hybrid of New York and Chicago pizza? You think? No, because no one wants Chicago pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just like a crispy crust. I I think that that's why I like New York pizza. Now you guys are going to have to help me find good pizza in Los Angeles. Oh, there's a
3: gluttony of them. I don't know if you've done this before and a lot of people found this gross, but me and my friends did it all the time as kids. Don't knock it until you try it though. Okay. Um, If you get a thick crust pizza hut and if, if take just the crust, you dip it in Coke and it's amazing. Mm
2: Oh, I did that as a kid all the time. Right, isn't it great? Yeah. Uh, yeah.
3: Someone one of my friends that.
2: actually pointed out a Detroit style pizza place in LA that just opened. So I'm I can't wait to try that place out.
3: Yeah. There's so many of them, man. I'm I'm a big foodie, so once you're in LA, we got you got to take you around town.
2: Done. Let's just <laughs> eat
3: pizza every day.
2: <laughs> I know that's not on the uh, you know, Mr. No Days Off diet, but you know.
0: Chris, Chris, you're just so good with your answers, man. You just know how to redirect a a conversation for the better. You talked about Tony Robbins. Uh, Do you have any other, uh, uh, to me, this is fun. Do you have any other like uh, uh, speakers that you like to watch besides Tony Robbins?
2: So Tony Robbins is the GOAT, right? Tony Robbins is the best. But I went to a seminar where, uh,
0: oh, hello. I, I uh, went to but, a
2: wait,
0: wait hold on a second uh, hold on baby we're a little busy doing the podcast you can be in here but I'm, I'm working okay I don't care alright sorry
2: <laughs> so Tony Robbins is the goat but I went to a seminar where uh, Tony Robbins was speaking and so was Gary Vaynerchuk who's an incredible speaker um, big fan of what Brendan Michard does I don't know if you're familiar with him Um, Ed Milet, uh, just absolutely incredible speaker and also podcaster. That's that's basically what I'm spending a lot of my time on. Uh, As much as I'm a wrestling fan and a sports podcaster, wrestling podcaster like you guys, I actually don't listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts. I actually spend my time at the gym trying to learn. I'm either listening to a book on tape or I'm listening to... Uh, School of Greatness with Lewis Howes is an incredible podcast. And some of those other speakers, all those speakers that I just listed all have podcasts. That's basically what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to expand my mind and learn all the time and just try to surround myself with positivity. Because as you guys know, unfortunately, in the wrestling world, a lot of negativity doesn't oh yeah that. definitely. That. Yeah, definitely. It just that's a little bit yeah most of the wrestling podcasts are like did you see raw last night? this was bad this was bad this was bad. can't believe they're doing this. why are they doing this? It's uh, like come on
0: you know Chris first and foremost just thank you for our, our relationship our friendship you put me on the map uh, no one ever knew because people would always ask me I never talked about it uh, until I you know sat down with you oh, I wish the Bob Backling gimmick didn't, uh, would have worked out and stuff like that. I get that ass all the time. And like it's like I'm in a corner being punched and I'm not defending myself. So yeah. I was just tired. Enough was enough. And that's when I said, well, the reason why I couldn't use a cross base was because Triple H ultimately was saving it for Asuka. So I share that story uh, first with you and now with everyone else. I'm not throwing anyone under the bus you know, I was invited back by WWE for WrestleMania. So I'm not like, you know, on the ban list, like Enzo Amore, apparently, you know, I'm still invited back, but I, I was just tired of just being put up against the wall and people saying, oh, I wish it would have worked, you know, so I want to thank you for, you know, put me on the map and uh, I really appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you for the time. Like I reached out to you out of nowhere. You had no idea who I was. And I sent you a DM and said, hey, man, I'm going to be in L.A. soon. Can we do an interview? And I'm, I'm thankful that, A, you read the message, B, that you <laughs> responded to the message, and that, C, you were kind enough to give me an hour of your time. So thank you. And I'll never forget, randomly, I was at work in Miami, red carpet. I'm just leaving oh, the red yeah. carpet. And, who? oh, my God, that's Fred Rosser yes. on the other side of the country. It was such a nice yeah. surprise to see a, a friendly face there. Yeah, when I saw you, I
0: was for the Outshine Film Festival. Yeah. And... Yeah. You know, you're getting YouTube awards and stuff like that. I was getting the key to the city of Miami beach. I was getting the Vanguard award so I can toot my own own (laughs) horn too.
2: Toot buddy. I love
3: it. And not to mention his Emmy. I mean, come on. It's right there, Fred. Well,
2: this is one of four of them. Only one of them's on display. You know, the other, the other three are in there somewhere.
0: But uh, yeah, before we take it home, because I always say time is money. Uh, I wanted to hit you with to- 21 totally random questions. I did it with Heath. The first person I did it was with my mom, and it was a disaster. Uh, <laughs> I did I, I did it with Heath. I did it with Diana Perrazzo and uh, Casey Russells, Casey, Casey, no, Casey Navarro, uh, who's a young up-and-coming guy who's making moves. So, yeah, I just wanted to ask you 21 totally random questions. You down?
2: I'm down. And by the way, your mom is the sweetest woman ever. It was such an honor to meet her.
0: Yeah. It's like, she, she's my rated R mother of love. You know, my manager has to watch out for her rather than me, but, uh, let's do this thing. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, first question, what's your favorite thing in in your closet right now?
2: I'm a big suit guy. So it's gotta be, I have an eggplant colored suit, which I haven't worn in a while because, you know, we're not wearing suits right now, but that's gotta be it.
0: (laughs) What really gets on your nerves?
2: Uh, people who are late. I'm a big I'm a big like if I say I'm gonna be there at four fifteen, I will be there at four yes. uh, fourteen. And you know, when people like show up like ten minutes later, oh sorry I'm late, man. Well you're always late. Yeah. So that's that in common,
3: man.
0: That is my pet peeve. Huge, huge pet peeve. Uh what job would you be absolutely horrible at?
2: Um I'd like to think I'd be okay at everything. Um, I don't know. I'd like to think that if I was given a job, I would try to do the absolute best that I could. I don't know. Some sort of job where I couldn't talk. That would be like like, the the guards outside of, um, you know, uh, Buckingham palace, the ones that can't make facial expressions or talk. I'd be terrible at that job.
0: That's good. That's a good one. What's your favorite movie
2: of all time? The best movie ever, uh, Back to the Future. <laughs>
0: what luxury do you enjoy treating yourself to?
2: Sometimes like I would I would fly I used to fly a lot when we were able to fly a lot and whenever I was upgraded on a flight, it would not happen often, but if I ever got upgraded, that was like to be able to sit in one of those like business class seats, you know, especially yeah. on the long flights. Sure. I wasn't treating myself to this. I just got lucky that I, you know, got upgraded, but to sit in one of those little pods, I feel like that was just such a cool thing.
3: It's like you're in the future.
2: It's also like, um, you know, you're just completely detached for that five hour flight from East coast to West coast. It's like, huh, this is great.
0: (laughs) If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say?
2: say you can do anything, uh, like like what we talked about earlier. And I think there's too many people that get in their own way and they believe the lies that they're telling themselves or the negative self-talk that they have. And I think that it's important to know that anything is possible. The only thing standing in the way of it is you and your limiting beliefs.
0: What's your biggest pet peeve?
2: It's got to be that late thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's... That's just so you know it, that that and people who don't return their carts at the supermarket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like I want to wow. stand outside and I want to stand outside the little cart receptacle thing and like interview people and be like, "Oh, excuse me, sir, uh, I just want to ask you why didn't you take the 14 seconds to return your cart? Just want, just wondering.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, white chocolate or milk, milk chocolate.
3: Milk chocolate. That's the right answer.
0: Uh, What's the stupidest thing you've ever done because someone dared you to?
2: Oh, man. Um, Where do I begin? Uh, I feel like I did a lot of stupid things when I was in high school and college. Um, I'm going to say the stupidest thing that I was dared to do and actually did do. Do you remember that big blackout that happened the summer of like 2002 where the whole East Coast went dark for like whatever? 18 hours or something. So it's huge blackout. Everything like everything on the East coast of uh, North America was black. And I was in college at the time and completely pitch black. So I'm like, me and my friends were like, let's go streaking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it had just rained. So the grass was a little dewy and I'm like, Oh, I'll do like a baseball slide across the grass while naked terrible uh, terrible idea uh. scars and you know <laughs> everywhere everywhere terrible uh,
0: what's your favorite swear
2: word uh, i i honestly don't swear that much um, <laughs> i think that i think that ass can be used in really fun ways every like jericho said shut your ass has been saying shut your ass a lot lately and I'm like it's just good <laughs> It's just like you kick someone's ass, you know, it's great. Yeah. I'd, I'd say that one. And it, it's not that uh, offensive.
0: That's true. Okay. Uh, what's on your cell phone playlist right now?
2: Oh, I, got. Uh, so I'm really into like indie pop, I guess you could call it. indie rock. So like bands like the midnight or the 1975, uh, I'm a big pop punk fan, uh, newfound glory, yellow card, the starting line, dangerous summer.
3: A little bit of Chingy in
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> Did he only have one song? Sorry, yeah. Chingy. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Chingy. If you could have three
0: people over, dead or alive, for dinner, who would they be?
2: Oh man! Can we eat pizza? Absolutely, man. It's your world. <laughs> okay. Um. Wow. I would. L- I think The Rock because okay. he's awesome. Oprah, because I feel like, you know, she just <laughs> oozes positivity. Um, and I had a, I had a really fascinating conversation at a party, completely random, and I'm not trying to drop names here, but I'm going to, um, with Bill Clinton, who was just so fascinating to talk wow. to. So wow. much so that I, I got like nervous because I didn't know what to say next. Yeah. And I was just like, well, Mr. President, it was so nice to meet you. And I went and sucked my hand out to shake his hand. And he just was like, well, let me ask you, where are you from? And he started like, <laughs> he's like, turned the conversation around and like was pretending or at least, you know, he was, was interested or really pretending to be interested in me. And I was like, wow. So that, that, I think that's who we'll pick, those three. That's awesome. Uh, that's
0: awesome. If your house is on fire, what two things would you run back in to get?
2: My, uh my, I, I play guitar a lot, so oh, I, I would grab my, I would grab my guitar and uh I live with my girlfriend, so I should probably grab her too, right?
3: Yeah. I, I just love the guitar was first.
0: That's good. Uh Is your belly button inner or outer?
2: It's a, it's an innie. It's an innie.
0: <laughs> what a question. Uh, yeah. W- would you rather have? permanently clogged nose or a piece of green food always stuck in your teeth
2: I feel like I already do have the permanently clogged nose so I'll oh. just stick with that one <laughs> yeah also i I feel like just just like you guys we smile too much to have something stuck in our teeth all the time that's
1: true yes,
0: yes you know yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what's something uh what's something you've tried that you've never uh, that you'll never ever try again
2: oh what's something I've tried <laughs> I don't, I'm pretty, I'm pretty big on like, I like to do things. I like to try things. I'm not really scared of doing anything. Um, I don't know. I feel like everything I've done, I would do again. Actually I got one. (laughs) It's just so fresh in my memory. I signed up for a yoga class today, not realizing it wasn't (laughs) like the stretchy, like relaxing yoga. It was like the like marching on the spot, like workout yoga, I won't be doing that one again. <laughs> so, sorry, oh. uh, sorry, local yoga establishment. <laughs> mm,
0: mm, mm, mm. What was your first job?
2: My very first job—I mean, paper boy. Like I delivered papers. But my very first, like, actual job, I worked in the fish department of a pet store in my mall, PJ's Pet Center.
0: What's your favorite TV show?
2: Uh, Breaking Bad. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, Breaking Bad is my favorite and the best show.
0: Uh is there a personality trait that you can't stand? Maybe you mentioned that already.
2: I just I'm a big person that like if you say you're going to do something, yeah, you got to do it. You got to follow through on it. Like otherwise, why did you say you were going to do it? So that that, you know, covers what we were talking about earlier with yes. being on time, but just in ah. general, you know? If if uh, if I say Will you be there? And you say, yes, I'm expecting you to be there.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm the same way. Best gift you've ever received.
2: So my dad and I have this tradition where we go to a different baseball stadium every single year. We've been doing this now for 20 years. And for Christmas one year, he surprised me with a frame with a picture from every single baseball stadium that we had been to. And I was just so overwhelmed when I saw it. It was like this rush of nostalgia and this rush of emotions. And I just held it and stared at it for like 10 minutes cuz that rush of emotions and rush of memories came back to me. So yeah, that that's that's definitely it.
0: And last but not least uh 21 uh is the toilet paper over or under?
2: Oh, over. That's not even a, <laughs> Who puts it under? That's just wrong. And if I'm at someone's house and they've put it under, I will just assume they installed it incorrectly and I will flip it over. Yeah. Everyone says that. so true. Heath Slater
0: Slater said it identical to the way you said it, bro. So that's very funny. Very funny.
2: Oh, it's true. Yeah. It's got to be over. Mm. 21 is my favorite number, by the way, too. So thank you for 21 questions. (laughs) Yeah, man. It's
0: just something. Again, I'm having fun. Uh, you mentioned it. For me, and Arnold mentioned it, Arnold was the second person that said, hey, man, maybe you should try doing a podcast. And for me, it's like therapy. Like, I'm not so worried about the numbers or trying to make money. I like to do this for fun. This is like therapy for me. So Arnold's been my therapist for uh, many, many years now. So uh, this is very fun for me. So thanks for being on. I say all the time, time is money. And for you to be on my little podcast our podcast where we have fun it means a lot to me
2: well it means so much that you reached out to me always great to hear from you guys too and congrats on everything that you're doing with the podcast you you guys are uh, you're blazing the trail you know if it wasn't for your interview with david benoit i never would have had an interview with him so keep doing what you're doing and uh again Thank you guys for being so awesome. And I look forward to eating pizza with you in Los Angeles. And I guess Fred just watching us eat eat the pizza, right? <laughs> As he's judging really hard. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, yeah, exactly. Because I well, no, I'll I'll have to do legs beforehand and then I can have some pizza. But I do intimate fasting, so it's got to be after four PM, sweethearts.
3: Fine. A deal, a deal. We'll have <laughs> we'll have pizza and then we'll all have sushi with Fred, because Fred loves his sushi. There we go. Yes, Sounds great. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes and we and uh and uh, we got a secret spot that will give you uh the 411 to uh in the future when you move out here to LA baby.
2: I'll be there in uh, about a month. So uh, I can't wait, guys. Well, yeah, thank you thank so you. much,
3: Chris. It's a pleasure to finally meet you semi formally. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun, man. And just keep doing what you're doing again. Like, like, as you mentioned for us, you're doing it yourself. You're blazing the trail for a lot of fans that aspire to do this. Who want to, you know, get their foot in the door, whether it's to interview wrestlers or start a YouTube channel podcast, man, you're, you're someone that they should look up to. And thank you, uh, from all of us for doing that. And we really, well, thank it.
2: you guys. You guys are both awesome. And, uh, I hope that you and your family are doing well with everything going on. And, uh, Can't wait to see you guys in person soon. (laughs) All right, man. You take care. Have a good day, all right? You too. Thanks so much, guys. Well, there it is. A big thank you to Arnold and Freddie for this one. It's the Arnold and Freddie show. Sorry for the singing. If you're, you know, lifting weights or something, that probably was not very motivating. There you go. Give them a subscribe, the Pro and Bro Wrestling Podcast, wherever you're listening to this. And if you haven't subscribed to my show yet, please take a second right now to do that. Our next episode, our next chat, this Thursday with Peyton Royce. Ooh, it's such a good one. We just hit 100 podcast episodes this week, so thanks for being on this journey with us, this audio adventure, as I like to call it. And here's to another thousand. Yeah, I was going to say another hundred, but ugh would be dreaming too small here's to another thousand we'll have that in a few years and as muhammad ali said don't quit suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion hope you enjoyed this one we'll see you thursday with one half of the iconics it's peyton royce
1: this is brandon kelly the host of blue wire's new podcast golden goal he
0: takes everybody up
1: From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe. From Zlatan Ibrahimović's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair.